Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Today is kind of a special day for us, and uh, we welcome back home Brett Barton. So as they're getting some chairs for us here, they'll be bringing those in. Brett, if you will, come on up. And this morning, uh, I, I met with Brett this week, and, and uh, Brett and Kat, where's Kat? Is she here somewhere? Back in the back, I see her. Uh, Brett and Kat are... They are, they're our members. They're our people. They are our missionaries, and we just claim them as that. And uh, this past week, Brett touched base with me and told me he was back in town. He and Kat were, and, and uh, we went and just had lunch. And while we were having lunch, we just started engaging in conversation about campus outreach. And that's what's on the screen there, the logo you see uh, that he and, and Kat are very much a part of. And I wanted to just try to recreate some of the conversation that he and I, and actually Eldon went with us, that the three of us had at McAllister's at lunch that day. So before I really start getting into some of those questions, maybe you just want to share a little... Actually, you need a microphone. Let me get it for you here. Why don't I could you... scream, I guess. Yeah, but, you uh, could. Um, no, we... Uh, yeah, I've, a lot of people have been asking for an update since. It's just been good to be back home. Um, I say the word update and they immediately think we're pregnant, but that's not the case. Honey, are you pregnant? I just want to make sure, double check. We're good. Okay. We're not pregnant, but we are excited to be back. We have, uh, we just came back actually from uh, six weeks in Orlando, Florida. I know someone's got to do it. Um, but we actually spend um, 10 weeks, our students spend 10 weeks down there on what we call the Orlando Project. And it's just an opportunity for college students to grow in their faith and their walk with the Lord for 10 weeks in a high-intensity environment. And so we've been down there. We just made it back up. And uh, it's been, we had 130 student, college students down on the Orlando Project. Give up wow. their summer. Uh, they, a lot of them, a lot of the students were giving up uh, potential, you know, good internships that resume builders and but they they turned it down because they wanted to uh they wanted to invest their summer in knowing Lord now when Lord. they invest their summer down there what exactly are they doing i mean yes they can get some training from you guys but are they working jobs are they what are they doing down there yeah when we're down there we get we have a lot of partners we have church partners work partners and our hotel is also our partner but the students grow spiritually in really four major things uh the word growing in their knowledge of the bible and how to study it and how to teach it and learn it uh, and prayer, those are the two kind of uh, main things we focus on, word and prayer, and then fellowship and evangelism and how to share their faith at, back on campus okay. as well. Um, and then while that's kind of at night, throughout the day we partner with SeaWorld and Universal Studios and Chick-fil-A, so all of our students have jobs at those three companies. Okay, that's pretty cool. For those that don't know, Brett and Kat, uh, as I've already said, are, are leaders, missionaries, What's your, what's your title? Yeah. What is that official? We are, uh, 
for campus Stateside missionaries. We're called campus staff. Campus, campus staff down at Arkansas State University. If you remember sometime back, about a year or so ago, Brett was with us. We were over at Moy School, and, and he gave us an update, and he was uh, very interactive with the football program down at uh, Arkansas State there with Campus Outreach. And you remember he told us to watch, him, watch for him on ESPN2, Arkansas State be playing on ESPN. How many got to see Brett on TV, on ESPN2 on that, that, that uh, four. evening? Four, four people. <laughs> Great. I tuned in. I was watching. I mean, I was watching every little thing. Matter of fact, I DVR'd that game. And, and actually, when I saw Brett on TV, I texted, hey, Brett, man, I just saw you on ESPN, too. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I, uh, I literally, at halftime, I checked my phone. I had 17 text messages just from halftime. That they saw you. It's right after the guy kicked the field goal and either tied the game or went up or something right there at the end. Yeah, and you went and ran on the field and saw him there. So anyhow, Brett and, and Kat have a, have a great ministry down at Arkansas State. Uh, they w- just went to, um, to Florida for some training for college students. Now, you're going back there, correct? Yeah. I mean, you did some training down there for 10 weeks, left the students down there. They're doing their thing. And then you're going, you and Kat are going back down there for what? For another week. Yeah, at the very end, kind of to seal it, put a stamp on it, and uh, send everyone back home. Yeah. Ready to go. Okay, awesome. Okay, while they were at uh, Arkansas State, he, um, he was very much involved with the football program. Tell, me, tell everyone a little bit, now you shared this with me sure. already, about the, the relationship you had with the former coach and how they now have a new coach and kind of how, how that works for your football Do program. Do I have any uh, SEC football fans in the house? Okay, we got a few, a few more. Well, uh, my, our head coach that was at Arkansas State, his name is Hugh Freeze, and he, he left Arkansas State and he's now the head coach at Ole Miss. And so it was pretty cool because, like, you know, I got to interact with this guy on a daily basis. One of the first practices I got to go to, he said, uh, hey, Brett, you know, I've heard a lot about you. I heard you were coming to Arkansas State, and uh, I just wanted to introduce you in front of the whole team, you know, 150, you know, collegiate players. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, probably not that much. But uh, anyway, he laid, the, he laid the groundwork for me, and he was like, hey, this guy is a part of our team. He's a part of the family. Treat him as such. So when he took the job at Ole Miss, I was a little upset. I mean, because me and him had formed a relationship throughout the yeah, season. He was a believer, or is a believer. He is well. a strong believer. Yes, yeah. he's uh, he's. I mean, very devout. He's plugged in with this church, and he uh, he was the one. He was like, "Hey, Brett, I want you to have a Bible study on my football team." I was like, "Great, that's what I'm here for." Well, and I'd awesome. love to. And so when he took the job at Ole Miss, you uh, know, a little bummed, but we came in, and as anyone, uh, a few years ago, Auburn beat Oregon in the national championship. The offensive coordinator at Auburn was Gus Malzahn. He, uh, he was the head coach under Cam Newton. I mean, he, was, he coached Cam Newton. Uh, anyway, the biggest hire, really, in Arkansas State history, he came to Ar- he's Arkansas State's football, head football coach now. And so it's pretty interesting. I get to work. I've met with him uh, about four or five times now and uh, just kind of explained what I'm doing. And he's like, Brett, I'm so excited that you're going to be a part of this, and I want, I want very similar things than what happened last year. And you've year. already started having some interaction with the players and the team, and yeah. they're already down there practicing. Yeah. Now, I know they're not Razorbacks. That's Arkansas, no, right? Yeah. What, what? We're, we're the Red Wolves. This is Red kind of Wolves. Our, All right. yeah, Arkansas Ar- State Red Wolves. Any Razorback fans in here? That may be a little bit of a rival, I yeah. guess. But uh, So anyhow, what he <laughs> say? What Barbara say? Probably an Indian. Oh, right? are you really? Yeah, alum. We former alum. alum, Arkansas State. That's awesome. Did everybody hear that? Barbara's a former alum from Arkansas State. So there's maybe she still yeah. has some connections down there. Maybe there's a pocket of Barbara Schmidt, maybe alum down there that she could connect. He could connect with. Cat, yeah. follow up on that if you will. Okay, kind of yeah. get with Barbara afterwards and 
and you guys do some things there. So while you guys were there, yes, you had connection, you had ministry with, um, with the football program and the football team. I know Kat has ministry as well. How many, how many students, maybe in the first year, were you expecting possibly to lead to Christ? I mean, there is kind of a national figure, estimated number that they'll give you. Uh, and then share a little bit about how many maybe you were able to lead across yeah, this Yeah, we, we, with Campus Outreach, we really know that it's not about numbers and a lot not about, but those numbers represent people, and those people represent souls that are going to be in heaven one day, potentially. And so uh, kind of the average, we've been doing it for so Campus Outreach has been an organization since the 70s, so they've been doing it a while. And they say normally when new staff comes to a campus, uh, probably the average number would be around I mean, five to eight people coming to know the Lord, which is amen, you know. Praise the Lord that he would save five to eight people. Um, and so it was just an honor. We had a lot of change coming in, a lot of ups and downs throughout the year. But um, we, got, we saw 16 people come to know the Lord. This Praise the Lord. Year. Amen. How about that? Six, 16 college students come to know the yeah, Lord. As 16, their... Yeah, 16 college students. They make up of you know, men and women. Some of them were football players. Some of them were in a sorority and fraternity. Some were just independent coming in. Yeah. Um, and so we, it, was, it was a really, really neat experience. For everything that was kind of uh, going in, everything was new. We were kind of uh, doing a lot of pioneering and changing, just getting a feel, acclimated yeah. to Arkansas State um, to see what that happened. It was just really the God. It was really God. Awesome. I even asked you this week when we were having lunch together, how do you go about, I mean, you're on a college campus, thousands. How many, how many is at Arkansas State? 3,000? 14. 14,000. <laughs> I was being facetious. I knew that. 14,000 uh, there. How, how do you even start in evangelism down there? I mean, yeah. share with our congregation a little bit what your and Kat's ministry looks like and yeah. how you start connecting and doing that. Well, Arkansas State's a very unique campus. It's pretty, it's very um, um, organic, I guess. A lot of, a lot of the students come from or a lot of the surrounding area. Um, but what's unique is we're very close to 14,000 college students enrolled at Arkansas State University. And the unique thing is about 3,000 of those students are international students from different country. Uh, I got a friend. We play ping pong. His name's Hiroki. He's about four foot. I mean, he's an inch shorter than Cindy. And uh, he just whips my butt. Whips my butt every single Now, you're pretty good, though, at ping pong. I'm all right. right. You know, did you I, win I some type of intramural championship? Yeah, I did win an intramural at thing at Murray, State. Murray yeah. State, my alma mater. But, and he uh, dusted you, huh? Man, he mopped me up and down the floor. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty neat because we're interacting with all these college students day after day, and one out of five of them could potentially, one out of five are international. So it's like, and we're sharing our faith. Our prayer is that, man, we share our faith with an international student. They come to know the Lord, and they go back to their country as a missionary yeah. you know does that sound familiar guys i think you may have got, just heard a little bit of that last week uh, we're involved right. in a church plant that we're going to partner with and support in um, right. at the university of illinois yeah. and uh international students there right. uh, so that's pretty awesome so, but how, how does that work i mean you you invite them to some events or you invite them to a bible study or you have a, a block party or, or was it how do you get them there yeah we are uh we are ministering to college students and uh and so college students like to have a good time they like to party they like to uh you know enjoy themselves so i think the first night the college students actually moved in all the freshmen we had just this kind of big blowout it was like a big block party we had slip and slides going we had people throwing energy drinks off trampolines a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of crazy Probably not my type of, of fun, but um, it was enjoyable for everyone to get connected and see that, man, Christians can have a good time too. 
minus alcohol and drugs, you yeah. know? And so uh, that's one thing we do start off with a lot of the times on the college campus is we'll, we want to get to know as many people as we can in the first couple weeks of the semester of school year. A lot of freshmen are moving in. They don't know, like, hey, where's the cafeteria? It's like, yeah. I'll go with you. Why don't you come with me? I need to get some soap and some deodorant. I, I, I forgot it at home. Hey, I'll run to Walmart with you. Let's do this. And so we begin to form relationships in the first couple of weeks with a lot of the students. A lot of the 16, the, out of the 16 people who came to Christ this year, 14 of them were freshmen. And oh, it wow. was just, so we, we got to know them. And most of them I met on the first two days of school. Yeah. And so it was just forming relationships, having parties. Uh, we'll have a tailgate at the football game. We will have Bible study, uh, go to lunch with them, go to dinner. We do this thing, actually. We go to the local buffet, and I challenge all the guys to do this. Um, we call it Operation Domination. Okay? <laughs> and we go to, like, CeCe's Pizza or, like, some, uh, you know, buffet-style pizza, and you just try and just eat up just they're all of their food, you know, it's gone. That's what, we just want to dominate them. We just want to overwhelm them and be like, uh, they don't have any other food to give to, so that we kind of do that. It's a, it's a good connection point. It's really not good on the figure, <laughs> yeah. as you can tell. But, uh, we suffer for doing. Jesus. Though, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, again, someone's <laughs> got to do it. Yeah. But, uh, we enjoy it. It actually really does connect a lot of people. That's pretty so. neat. Now, we all know you, when you go off to, um, to colleges that, there's the different fraternities that are there, different wild parties that are taking place. And obviously, and we all know that you and Kat are, are a part of that. But, however, there is a little bit of a ministry that you shared with me that you do with that, which I think is pretty unique that we yeah. all need to hear. Yeah, the, uh, one of the main fraternities that I spent a lot of time with uh, on the campus this past year were the Pike fraternity, was the Pike fraternity, Pi Kappa Alpha. It's one of the notorious... Um, typical you see in the movie type fraternity you know uh, a lot of partying i mean their their motto is raise hell literally and so i got to spend a lot of time i met with the president one of the first weeks of uh of moving to jonesboro about a year ago now and uh, we instantly connected and he's a really good guy i don't i don't think he's a christian uh but probably we got not. yeah probably not and uh but we I got to, we got to do a lot of uh they would have a party and they would invite me and i'd be like man i'm, I'm really not into that i'm not gonna I don't want to come and, uh, you know, dance upon other girls. I'm married. You know, it's like I don't want to, I don't want to be involved in, in, in some of the activities. But what I got to do was I would, uh, you know, I'd tell them, hey, I'll come a little bit early and spend time with you guys, maybe play some ping pong, maybe play some volleyball. Everyone's got sand volleyball net. And then afterwards, it's like, hey, if you guys need a ride ever, feel free to give me a call. And uh, actually, because of the relationships that we formed in the Pike Fraternity, I was able to have a, a Bible study with them the whole past year. And these are guys that are like the typical frat guys on a college campus. And it's just so neat to see. That's pretty it's like awesome. They are in a Bible study. It's like that's the last thing you would ever think to see from this group of guys. Yeah. Isn't that awesome, guys? I guess what I like about it, you know, the Lord has called us to be the salt and the light to the, to the world. And a lot of times we as Christians, we, we, we get saved. We, we then develop Christian friends and Christian family and Christian church, and, and we almost start just isolating ourselves to where we have no interaction with the unsaved or those that don't know Christ. And now I believe we have to insulate ourselves, but I don't think we should isolate ourselves from the world. Uh, we've got to have some type of connection uh, with the unsaved so that we can present the gospel to them, so they can see Christ in our lives, so that we can connect to them. God's called us to be the salt of the earth. 
And a lot of times Christians think, okay, that means I got to join a salt cellar. And we get all of our salt and we put it in the basement of the church and there we are. We come together and we kind of play around in our salt pile. But we need to be salt shakers, right? We need to get out there to where the world is and let them see that Christians can have fun, believers can have fun, and we can be the salt and the light to the world and do some type of ministry. Whereas when you guys need a driver, call me. I'll be glad to come minister to you. Though That's pretty awesome, I think, that he's able to reach them and, and yeah. get them into a Bible study. Yeah, it's, now, really, it's really easy. I mean, they, they're, uh, you know, very accommodating. It's like they just want to be, they want to have friends. They want to be relational. And so that's kind of the, the route I went in with them. And it was pretty interesting. One of the guys that I got to share with, share my faith with, and tell about the truth of our Lord uh, the whole year, he actually became a Christian this past year. He was one of the 16. I'm not kidding you. I was telling Tyler this. He thought I was lying. His name is James Bond. I'm not kidding. <laughs> what was, were his parents thinking? Well, here's like, <laughs> he, he goes by Bond, you know, and I was like, Bond, hey, what's your first name? And he was like, yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, they didn't. You know? yeah. But it ends up his, uh, his family, it's like a family name. He's like the fourth, James Bond, the fourth. And it was before all the movies and oh, everything. Okay. So all he's right. like, they actually stole it from us. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I buy it. Every time I see him, I'm like shaking, not stirred, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, but we got some pictures of some, before you show this though, um, you're talking about 16 that you guys were able to lead to cross, which I think is amazing. Um, but you, you, you told me the story about a guy that had a very unique first name that you saw come to Christ. Share a little bit about him. Yeah, he, uh, Let's put the first slide up. This is my boy up here. His name's Stormy. His actual name, real name. Uh, he, man, it's just like so crazy to see this guy up here on the TV screen because like my vision for him, what I saw God doing in his life is totally different than what actually happened. I literally, and I don't recommend doing this, but I was being a little funny, a little uh, sarcastic to him, and I was like, man, all he talked about were girls and the next party. I met him the first day of move-in, and he was like, man, where's the next party at? What girls can I hook up with? You know, this and this and this, and I was like, man, by the end of this, you're going to have a baby. Before You're going to have a kid. You're going to either have an STD or a kid by the end of your four years in college, mm. and uh, man, the, this past year, um, man, he, uh, it was in, uh, late February, uh, late February. He was, he came to a Bible study just because of the friendships, uh, that he had connected with us and campus outreach. He came to a Bible study that actually was one of our students led a student led Bible study. And he realized that he was like, man, I'm living for the world. I'm living for everything that the world said is good. And it's so temporal and fleeting. And so uh, he decided that night to surrender his life to Jesus. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Thank the Lord for that. Now, yeah. this week at lunch, and we're going to show some others in just a moment, and you may want to pan through some of those as we're talking. And if somebody pops up and there's a story sure. you want to share, go ahead and share that. But for God's like storming, Zach, yeah. some of these others that, that may pan here a little bit, you shared with me a little bit. You, you know, see, there's, there's Bible study, yes. There's fellowship, yes. There's block parties, yes. But they all lead, they really lead to sharing the gospel, to seeing these young men and women come to Christ. I mean, that is the ultimate goal. <laughs> I could tell a story about, I could tell about a thousand stories about Jacob. Yeah, as Jacob could, looks like a character as there. As you could he, imagine. Matter of fact, he kind of reminds me of you. Yeah, a little I, bit. The headband. We've gotten that. The big hair, the headband. He was what? the first one to paint up at the, uh, at the, uh, the homecoming game at... Um, 
Arkansas State, <laughs> but I actually got a unique relationship with him. He is in one of my groups that I, I personally lead, a discipleship group where we get to grow in our faith together. And so he gets, we get a lot of time together, me and Jacob. He was a rugby, he's a rugby, on the rugby team at uh, Arkansas State, or was, he broke his ankle. But uh, people don't know, rugby is very big in Arkansas State. We were number three in the nation this year, only behind uh, Notre Dame, and then I think another school up in Boston. I'm not very sure, but Boston, uh, Boston, yeah. yeah. And so uh, he was a part of that, but uh, he's a nut, but I love him, man. He's great. <laughs> now, you were sharing with me, though, and I want you to share with our church about how you engage in a relationship with these guys, and you began sharing the gospel, and you laid out like this timeline or this where are you in a relationship, or, or do you like girls, or if you can marry anybody, who would it be? As you were sharing some of that with me, share a little bit of that with us and kind of the ultimate yeah. marriage thing. It's, uh, it's funny that uh, a lot of people, a lot of guys that I deal with, uh, their instant connection is women. Uh, I think it's vice versa as well. But kind of a similar thing. Actually, my wife is like the queen of this. Like she's excellent at delivering this. But it's called the relationship diagram. And what I do is like, hey, uh, you know, I put out like a one to five kind of relationship, Savannah and Chelsea. Those are track girls uh, at ASU. Um, but we'll kind of start with, so what is an acquaintance to you? You know, okay. Well, an acquaintance is someone that I'll see, I'll wave to, but that's really the extent of our relationship. The next step would be like a friend. Like we're good friends. We, we talk, we text, we email back and forth. Uh, we'll see what's going on tonight. Hey, what's going on? You know, that's a friend. The next step is in a relationship with the opposite sex is would be dating. So you could see the increased level of seriousness, of commitment that our students have. And then from dating, the next step is you're engaged. You, get, you liked it, so you put a ring on it. You know, it's, uh, you're serious. You're, uh, you can laugh. You can tell he's yeah. a college guy, right? Ministering to yeah. college students. So. And so, you know, engaged. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm no longer dating anyone else. Isn't there a song? So, isn't that a song? Yeah. Kind of something that's coming in I gotta, my I got to throw Beyonce Whatever, out, yeah. Know, okay. <laughs> um, but, um, and so, you know, engagement from dating, that's another step on the ring. It's like, that's more serious. We are going to be married one day. And then obviously the fifth step is marriage, and that's, Hey, I'm solely, I'm sold out to this, my, my partner, uh, you know, my wife, and, you know, it's, there's no longer anything else. My relationship with every other girl in the whole world changes after I get married. And so through that, I'm kind of like, well, now, relating that to your relationship with God, where would you say you are? And I get a lot of, I think I'm, I'm friends, I'm friends with God, I'm dating God. You know, and that usually means, uh, you know, I've been to church. I grew up in church. My dad's the preacher, maybe. Or uh, I sang in the choir. I played guitar or something like that. And uh, it's like, well, man, where do you think, where do you think would be good? Where, what do you think is the response? Where does God want you to be in your relationship with him? And countless times I say, uh, they, you know, every after time it's like, I, I need to be married to God. You know, that is a Christian. That's that's sold out. That's 100%. I've given my life that away. full surrender, yeah. It's full surrender, exactly. And so I usually lead up with that with something like, well, you want to know why you're not married to God? And then I'll ask him, what is the celebrity that you just think is the hottest celebrity that you, would, you have a crush on? And down there, because it's the South, I guess I get a little bit more country feel. I get Carrie Underwood a lot with, from the guys. But, uh, so we'll use Carrie Underwood. It's like, so let's say Carrie Underwood was coming to ASU. And I'll use you. Okay, so John, Carrie Underwood is coming to, coming to ASU to meet uh, some of your fraternity brothers and you. And uh, you guys meet. You hit it off. You guys are great friends. And so your relationship is growing closer and closer. You ask her out on a date, 
and it goes great. It's awesome. And then, uh, you know, down the road, you, you maybe ask her to be married to you, you and propose. And so it's like, wow, you know, that would that'd be crazy. Well, it's very similar to your relationship with God. You can get to know her. It's all good. Happens all the time. <laughs> um, but your relationship, uh, your relationship with God is very similar. It's, uh, you know, you, you maybe come to, a, come to a Bible study. You come out to a, a barbecue that we're doing as Campus Outreach. You come to church with us. Maybe you go to a Bible study, like I said, or you get in a one-on-one with some of our staff or students. It's like you're continuing to get to know God because that's what we're doing here with Campus Outreach. And so uh, I always end up with, it's like, okay, okay, now you're, she's about to answer your question if you're going to marry her, if she's going to marry you or not. And she says, Pastor John, you're a great guy. I love you, but I only marry men who are eight foot tall. With hair. With hair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only marry eight foot tall, full of hair, testosterone guys. Okay. And so it's like, well, would you be married to her if that were the case? Mm-hmm. No, because he's not eight foot and he's got a shiny dome. You know, <laughs> it's the part of the case. And so it's like, well, the, exact, the, the reason why you're not married to her is because her standards are that you be eight foot tall and you have a lot of hair. And they'll admit, it's like, well, I just don't meet her standards, whoever that girl is. And it's like, well, the same thing is true of God. You don't meet his standards. That's why you're not married to him. And then I kind of go into, a, well, there is a person that does meet his standards, and God gives you a way to come into a relationship through him, through his son, who has met his perfect standards. Amen. And so that's, a, that's one track that I use with a lot of the college Amen. students. Amen. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Amen. I guess, I guess um, you know, evangel- to me, evangelism is it's not just memorizing some scripture and going up on a door and knocking the door. And, you know, a lot of times I want to try to transition this from your ministry to our congregation and how we can engage in evangelism. A lot of times, and I shared this with you this week. A lot of times whenever we mention evangelism at church, people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. no, that's not me. I'm not going to put on the black slacks and the white shirt and the black tie and get on a bicycle and go door to door and have somebody slam the door in my face. I, that's just not me. Or we think about Jehovah's Witness. We have this almost this negative connotation of, of evangelism. It's very threatening. It's very, oh, I, can, I can't ever do that. But I think we all can be involved in evangelism. Matter of fact, we live here today, I think we can all have an active plan to be involved in evangelism. And what I love about Campus Outreach and you and Kat and what you guys are doing is that it's really just connecting with people and it's building a relationship with people. We talked about Stormy or he talked about Stormy and and all these others that that came to Christ and these these ladies. And it all happened through through a connection, uh, through relationship, through sitting down, having lunch and talking and what have you and leading them and getting to a point where you share the gospel with them so let's we, we kind of put down a few things I asked Brett I said if you were speaking to our congregation and you were sharing with them that they could do exactly this week in your sphere of influence at your place wherever it is where you are exactly what Brett and Kat are doing down at Arkansas State University what would you give us one two three four five maybe six steps we could do sure. that we could really leave here today and engage in evangelism? What's the first thing you tell her? I would first say you have to have a heart for it. You can't, if you don't have a heart for evangelism, you don't have a heart to take the good news somewhere, you won't do it. It's because 
you know, where your heart, the root and fruit, you, I remember you always used to say that, but it's like, if you don't have a heart, you don't have a root that's, I am compelled by the love of Christ. That's what Paul says. I'm compelled, therefore, and so I go. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, it's like you realize if everyone in here is in Christ, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He has called you into something to go because it's like, think about where you were. Think about you were, where you were before you had a relationship with God. And uh, it's like, that's not a good thing God thought to have. And so one of the reasons, the biggest heart, why we, me and Kat got into this thing, why Kat got into it before I did was because we know that, we know the realities of our sin. And, uh, and it just breaks our heart that, you know, people uh, go throughout their life without a knowledge of the gospel without the knowledge of the good news that I have been saved. I have been bought by a price of the blood of Christ and I've been sealed for eternity in heaven. And it's like, man, that is motivating the gospel. The good news is motivating us. And so I would start there. If you don't have a heart for it, you're never going to do it. A heart, a heart for evangelism, a heart for the gospel, a heart to share your story, what, what Christ has done for you, but also a a heart for the, for the lost, absolutely, for those out there that don't, don't know Christ, yeah. and I'm, re- I'm reminded of what it says in Matthew chapter 9, and it talks about when Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion on them. And I guess I would ask all of us, whenever you see a lost co-worker, a lost family member, someone you know that does not know Christ, does it even move you? If it doesn't even move you, then there may be something wrong with our own yeah, lives. Yeah, I, I was, that's an excellent point, because in that same verse, Matthew chapter 9 Jesus is talking, and it says, like, this is the creator of the universe. Like, he is, he created emotions, he created all things, and he said, it says that he was, he was, he saw them harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And you get that picture of sheep just in a pasture without a shepherd leading them somewhere, and they're just, like, scattered, they don't know where to go, they're getting chased by wolves and lions, and it's like, well, they don't have a shepherd to lead them anyway, and he was broken, he had compassion on them, it's like, He created them, you know, and so when he has, when, whenever I hear that, it's like, man, it's easier for me and Kat, I think, because we see the people at the, you know, at the Pike House, and they're just living a worldly life. They're just, you know, consumed with the world. They're consumed, if they're not consumed with drugs, alcohol, and sex, they're consumed with getting the best job so they can make the most money, so that they can have the perfect house and the perfect family, and none of it is God-centered, yeah. and so it's easy for us to see a broken, you know, people harassed and helpless. But I bet you if you sat down and you looked at work, if you looked at your uh, neighborhood, if you looked at, you went to the mall and just sat on one of those benches in the food court and you just watched people walk by, you would begin to see them as harassed and helpless. Yeah. So we need to see that. We need to cultivate a heart for the lost, cultivate a heart for the gospel, cultivate a heart for, for evangelism. That's, that's step number one. What would you say would be step number two? I would say get comfortable with the tool. Uh, you know, I, I kind of use the illustration of a plumber. He has a lot of tools in his belt, uh, in his work belt. Uh, maybe Pastor or, you know, Daniel could help me out with this one, but it's like I would just get comfortable with one tool. I'm really good at hammering stuff, uh, and maybe I'm not so good at using a screwdriver. But metaphorically, find a way that is comfortable to you that you can sh- clearly share the gospel with your friends, your family, your coworkers. After you've formed this heart for them, it's like, man, I really want them to know about Jesus. I really want to. I want to. I want them to understand what the gospel is. This is the way I'm going to take it to them. This tool, and one of the tools we use with our students is a simple testimony. 
Uh, it's like your life, who, it's your, your testimony is uh, just like, like a three to five minute story of your life. And it's like your life before Christ, how you came to know the Lord, and then your life after. And, uh, man, we can do that in three to five minutes. And the cool thing about a testimony is, is that it's your story. It, you know, a lot of people, a lot of smart people, way smarter than me, can kind of, well, you know, apologetics and, you know, defend the faith and kind of question a lot of the things I have to say. But they cannot tell me that what God has done in my right. life isn't real. Right, so. You're right. So, so cultivate a heart for evangelism in the lost. Have a tool. Get comfortable with something that you use. Whatever it is. There's no one way that's the right way other than Jesus right. himself. But whatever you use to tell the story of the gospel. The testimony is awesome. Just yeah. tell what Jesus, tell your story. Yeah. What, what the Lord's done for it's you. It's simple. You know. Step number three, what would you say? Step number three, I would say uh, probably identify, identify where your area, your circle of influence is in your life. For us, obviously, we're college ministers, so that's a college campus. I'm involved with the football team, the Pikes, and the major freshman fraternity, freshman uh, dorm on campus. But for you, it may be the guy in the cubicle down the aisle or your neighbor that you see mowing the lawn all the time. But it's like, uh, you know, I'm a hunter. I hunt duck. I hunt deer. And uh, you got to do that down in Arkansas, by the way. you got to <laughs> hunt. Um, but imagine if I saw, a, you know, you know a, big, a big swarm of ducks came in, like 20, 30 ducks came in, and I just shot into the middle of it. It's like probably I'm not going to hit anything if I just shot into the middle of it. But what I got to do is I got to find my target, and then I'm going to follow that thing and lead it a little bit and shoot. And so it's like I've located my target. I'm not going to be an effective evangelist if I don't know who I'm supposed to be ministering to. You know, yeah. you got to know where the fish are. You got to know where people are. That uh, maybe it is at the mall. You know, or, you know, or yeah. something like that. Okay, so guys, I want you to see that we all can do this. Every single one of us can leave here today and be involved in evangelism. So what's number one? Our heart, right? Come on, help me out here. What's heart. number one? Have a heart. heart. We got to have a heart for the gospel, a heart for the law, see people the way Jesus sees people. Number two is what? Tool. A tool, something you're comfortable with. Whatever it is, get some way, your story, testimony, whatever your tool may be. Number three is what? What? Target. Your target, your sphere of influence. Pay attention to, listen, we interact with people every single day, whether it's your family, whether it's friends, whether it's neighbors, whether it's coworkers, whether it's those acquaintances you have, those people that, that come in and out of your life are coming in and out of your life for a reason. I don't believe there are any accidents with God. I believe there are only divine appointments, and we've got to start paying attention to what God is doing in our life. He's bringing people into our life for a reason, and hopefully we'll share the the gospel so we got to start paying attention to our Absolutely. sphere of our sphere of influence so what would you say would be the next uh, step that we would I would do? say the next one is like we most of the time uh, unless you're you know I, I deal with college students on a daily basis so whenever I say that picture someone in your mind picture your neighbor or picture your co-worker or your your family member or something like that but uh, it's like they don't care what you know until they know that you care yeah it's a very simple sure. you know and so what we do is we build a relationship. It's very, very easy. And kind of combined with that one is after you've located, you have a tool, and your heart is burdened for these people, just share it. Throw it out there. I heard, I think it was, I'm not sure, I'm maybe butchering it, but I think it was Billy Graham who said that the gospel is like a lion, and all you have to do is let it out of the cage. The lion will devour anything in its way if it's hungry. And so our job as Christians is to let that lion out of the cage. It's very simple. You're not called to save anyone. You're not called to make anyone a Christian. Right. I'm not called to convert people. 
Yeah. I get that a lot. It's like you're a converter. You, it's like I've never converted anyone in my life. God has. Sure. And so, um, man, we, we kind of we view it, and I shared with you the illustration. Y'all know what a zero a zero turn lawnmower is. You've seen those. Pretty cool. Um, well, you got one side of building a relationship. Well, that's one of the hands, right? And then the other side is actually being initiative and sharing the gospel. And so you get the picture. It's like to go, you have to have both those things out. But if you have one, if you're just buddy-buddy with them and they know that they can just, well, he's a Christian or she's a Christian, but they never really talk to me about God. We're just really good friends. That's, you have to have that. That's necessary. But get the picture of a zero-turn lawnmower. If you're just relational with them, and you're going to go in circles. You get me? And so if you're on the other side of the spectrum, and it's like, you know, this is where Christians, I think, get a bad rap, where they're just beating them over the head with the Bible. You know, like all they talk about is God. They don't care about their family. They don't care about hobbies. They don't care about Cardinal baseball. Um, you know, you get the picture. It's like they're just intentional, and all they do is right here. They're going in circles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that may work if you are ministering to a Green Beret or a, a Navy SEAL. But most of the time, people want to talk and be relational and have a, you know, a relationship with you. And so what we kind of focus on is being both relational and intentional. That's kind of the, But that takes balance. I mean, you've got to yeah. continually be adjusting the yeah, zero absolutely. turn. How many ever ran one of those zero turn mowers? You've seen them. Uh, and that's very true. It's a wonderful word picture, I think. Of, of yes, we need to be relational, we need to have that, but we also got to be intentional about sharing the gospel. And if not, we just keep going around and around and yeah. around and around in this relationship, mm-hmm. and we never get to the gospel whatsoever. Or if all we are is just gospel focused, yeah. and we just keep going around and around evangelism, we're going to lose the relationships with people. Right. That's a nut job. Stay yeah. away from that guy over there. You know, there's got to be balance yeah. in all of that. I think my tendency whenever I don't. The hard part about, about being initiative, about being an initiator, is that it, you have to kind of, you, you have to take a leap of faith. You have to trust that what you say uh, is not going to, you know, and if it offends them, it's for the gospel's sake. But it's like, you just have to, you just kind of have to be secure in who you are and be so, I think it's easier to be initiative whenever you have a heart that's burdened for that person. Yeah. It's like, if you get the picture, it's like, if your best friend was in a burning building, and you were just like sitting there, be like, ah, I don't want to go get them because I don't want to offend them. I don't, oh, I, I just don't want to, I'm scared that I might hurt their feelings by what I say. It's like, how much more is a burning building than the wrath of God mm-hmm. and judgment? It's like, if we really cared about them, it's like, man, I'm busting down the doors in that building and I'm going to be an initiator. I'm going to go get them. But we are relational beings, so we have to, you know. Yeah. I, think, I think my natural tendency, just being vulnerable with you guys, is, I think I'm naturally just more relational than intentional. And uh, I'll be great friends with someone, but they don't go anywhere spiritually kind of thing. So that's what the Lord has really been teaching me. Okay, so number one, for us to get engaged in evangelism, let's review here real quickly. What? Number one, have a heart. We've got to have a heart for the gospel, have a heart for the law, see people the way Jesus sees people. Number two is what? Get comfortable with some type of a tool, whatever it is. Best thing really is your testimony. No one ever can refute what the Lord's done for you. You just share your story. Number three is what? Your target, your sphere of influence. Number four is what? Build those relationships with people and be intentional in that relationship and then share, share the gospel. I guess, and this is one of the things I asked Brett. 
I said, Brett, if you had the opportunity, which I was asking him all this stuff, and he didn't have a clue where we were going with this. And while I was having lunch with him, I already had, listen, I had a message prepared that I was going to be preaching today. It was a hot one straight out of Galatians 1. It was on the truth of the gospel. And Paul came in. He was ticked off at the Galatians. And, man, I had a fired-up message about the truth of the Word of God, how we got to stand for that. But as I sat there and had lunch for him with him, the Holy Spirit started fingering around my heart. He said, I want you to engage in this congregation or this, this uh, conversation Sunday morning with your congregation. And I'm wrestling with that and I'm wrestling with that. So I was getting more and more intentional and pointed and directed in my questioning. And so finally I asked Brett. I said, Brett, if you could sit before our entire congregation and you could share with them just one takeaway, what's one thing that when they walk out of the doors of this building today, they could, boom, engage in evangelism today. Just one takeaway what would that one takeaway be? It's really easy. I think as you're growing in all those five steps, it's like there's no magical. I didn't, when I became a minister, I didn't receive a card. I didn't get a diploma or anything like that, that you're an evangelist now. But all I did was, and I think that the thing, if you leave here today, that you can do practically, bring someone with you to victory next Sunday. Bring, invite someone with you. Bring them to church. It's like that is the work of an evangelist. Yeah. That is the work of some way, because you know Pastor John's going to bring the thunder. You know he's going to bring the heat, like he said. It's like, bring them here, and it's like, you know, that may, that may break the ice a little bit for you with them, spiritually. It, That's something everybody in here can do. I like to call it invest and invite. Invest in someone. Pay attention to your sphere of influence. See through the eyes of Jesus. Have a passion for the gospel, a passion for the Lord, a passion for those unsafe folks. And, and look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Invest in them. Build a relationship with them. And if we're real serious, just invite them to church. Bring them with you. Now, if you're uncomfortable with sharing the gospel, I promise you I can be preaching on stewardship. But at the end of the day, before we leave here, I'm going to share the gospel. I think it's important that we share the gospel every single time that we come together as a body of believers in case someone is here that does not know Christ. So every one of us can take that away today. Can you not do that? Every one of us can leave here today and we can go out and we can pick up the phone or we can take someone to lunch. We can invest in someone and say, hey, I want you to come with me to church next Sunday morning. And you come next Sunday morning to church. You bring them with you. They sit through the worship service. And then I like to take it one step further. You take them out to lunch afterwards. And if you want to buy the lunch, fine. If you want to make a mutual agreement, we're going Dutch, that's okay. Whatever it is, but take them to lunch immediately after the service and then just ask them, What'd you think of the service today? You know, or what'd you think of the message today? I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Like, it's just so easy because we'll go to a football game and it's like, or we'll go to a Bible study, our weekly Bible study. And then afterwards we'll go, uh, you know, the next day from in the morning, we'll go grab a cup of coffee or something and sit down and be like, hey, what did you think about that? It just makes it so much easier for me to go, you yeah. know, kind of ask penetrating question, you know, into their heart. It's like, I didn't do any work. You know, the guy who was speaking did all the work. I just get to follow up. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we as a church and even as a pastor, we're looking for the next great big evangelistic wave or tool to come by. And really it boils down, and I've seen them all. We've been a part of, of many of them. It, it just comes down to caring about people and paying attention to those people that God's put in your path build a relationship with them, invite them to church, uh, go out to dinner with them, talk about the things of Christ, be intentional, not just relational, but also intentional about, about sharing the gospel. You said something else, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but I wrote it in my notes when I had lunch with you the other day. He talked about how Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. And, and he made the statement, he said, what's the key to catching fish? 
And I asked him, I said, what is the key? Tell me, what's the key to catching fish? And I'm, I'm just going to read this off here. You said three things. Number one, go where the fish are. I mean, you're never going to catch fish if you don't get to the water, right? I mean, fish aren't running around out here on this dirt pile that we have that one day may be grass, hopefully, if, if we get out of this heat wave. But you aren't going to catch any fish. Out, and our retention pond out here, there's no water. You're not going to catch any fish out there, right? So if you literally are going to catch fish, where are you going to have to go? Come on, guys, help me out here. Don't check out. You're going to have to go to where the fish are. You're going to have to get to a body of water, a lake, a stream, a creek, a river, get somewhere. And then you said this, you're going to have to cast and reel. I mean, just cast and reel, cast and reel. Just throw your hook in the water and reel it back in. Yeah. One of my best friends is like the best fisherman I ever know, legitimate fisherman. He, he's a fisherman at SIUE. They just won this big tournament in Shelbyville. And I have seen him, like every time he casts, he doesn't catch a fish. So that was kind of the point I was driving home is like, cast, reel it back up. There's nothing on the hook, cast again. And that's metaphorically saying, hey, I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to throw the gospel out there to people. And if they don't, they don't take a bite, they don't bite it, it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep throwing more line out. I'm going to keep yeah. throwing more bait out. Stay relational and, and engage in events. Keep throwing the bait. And I don't want to belittle the gospel, but, but the gospel, present the gospel and just kind of engage. And guys, that's evangelism. Sometimes we make that too hard. I think we do a great job at fellowship. I think we do a great job of honor, which is worship, connecting one, with one another, which is fellowship. I'm looking at the things on the wall here. Growing together, which is discipleship. Serving, which is ministry. But when it comes to reaching, sometimes, whoa, 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 whoa I'm not real sure I can do that. Listen, guys, we all can do that. We just got to invest and invite. And if you have a hard time sharing the gospel, invite them to church. We'll share the gospel. You go back home and talk about it with them. One thing I would say, I think one of the biggest reasons why, why people are scared to share their faith, to reach out, is that they're going to get a question that they don't know the answer to. I can't, probably that happened to me a hundred times this last year, literally from college students who are smarter than me, who have a, a, a better upbringing in the Bible of truth. And it's like, it is okay to say, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I'll, I will, I'll go ask my pastor. I'll go ask Pastor John what he thinks, and I'll have an answer for you next week. Yeah. But it's like, man, I, it's more important to look silly and get the gospel out there than to you know, be cool and not share the gospel. Matter of fact, that was one of my biggest fears as a pastor. Uh, and I went to my theology professor, Dr. Bill Day, and I told him, I said, my biggest fear is when folks come to me as their pastor and they have a theological, doctrinal question, something about the Bible, and they ask me and I don't know it. And he said, you're not going to know everything. And he said, it's okay to tell them I don't know, but be sure you tell them together we'll find out. I'll help you find the answer and together we'll go discover the answer to that question. So I think we've got to realize, hey, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't have the answers to everybody's questions. So say I don't know, but i tell you what I will do. Together we'll find out the answer yeah, to that. Yeah, I think... Also, that's where if you're too intentional and you don't have an answer for them, that may, you know, I'm going to back away a little bit. But the relationship always wins out. If you have a great relationship with them, you're friends with them, you care about their family, their interests, their hobbies, their experiences, yeah. it's like, man, it's a little bit okay. You know, it's okay to not have an answer all the time. Yeah. Amen. Have you enjoyed Brett today? I had a great lunch with him this past week, and I just felt God just moving in our, in our lunch meeting, and I just wanted him to come and share. I wanted to, to try to recreate the conversation that we had at lunch, and this was basically it. Uh, and Brett and Kat, Kat stand up in the back for those that do not know Kat. She's beauty. Look at her. 
Keep, uh, keep Brett and Kat in your prayers. We support them. When you give to Victory Church, we as a church support them on a monthly basis. And we have since they took off to Arkansas State. There's several other families in here that give each month to them. Um, they're back here just for a short period of time. When do you guys head back? The 6th. This Friday. Okay, they head back. So I knew I had a short window to get him up here in front of you. Uh, if you're here today and, and you would like to help support their mission, what they're doing at Arkansas State, uh, they really do need some support. I think they're $500 short, what they need on a monthly pledge and basis. Uh, and so if, you know, if we all could say, hey, I'll give 5 I'll give 10 I'll give 20 maybe you're able to give 100 whatever it is, uh, I want you to touch base with Brett and Kat after the service out back. If you are unable to do that and you would like to support them, if you just earmark on your giving, whether it be online or a check or whatever, uh, we'll be sure those dollars get to him on a monthly basis um, because they're down there as, as missionaries. Our church, many other churches, other folks support them. And, uh, but I, I really claim them as one of ours, and I love it when they're back with us, and uh, I'm so glad they're here today. And uh, So be much in prayer for Brent Cat. Did you guys bring any prayer cards or anything? We, we got, I have some, yeah. We can just see, see me afterwards. Okay, he'll be out at the table afterwards and have some prayer cards and things there that you may be able to pick up some of those. We had an eight-minute video, but we're running a little bit late, so if, if it's okay, I'm going to try to scratch that video then, and I won't hold you any longer. So give Brett a hand. Thank you, Brett. God bless you. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.